You're listening to Thinkers What Works podcast. I'm your host, Jason Todd, with my co-host, Alex Gary, and today, my friend, Alicia Benedetto Neubauer. She's co-owner of Ground Floor Skateboards. She's also a licensed architect, and if that weren't enough, she's been a community volunteer for the last 20 years, since back when we knew each other in high school, which was, yep, 20 years ago. Yeah. I'm not going to know any of the inside jokes. (laughs) (laughs) I won't remember them either. It's been 20 years. So a licensed architect to to ground floor skateboards. How did that happen? Yeah, that's yeah. a great question. How okay. did it happen? So um, since I am involved in the community, I've always been, um, I started out in Key Club at Boylan um, and uh, went on to do volunteer work um, at my college at WashU. I joined a sorority that their motto was do good. Hmm. Delta Gamma did mm-hmm. more volunteering there. Um, came back to Rockford and um, my friend Guy Ford invited me to a mixer for a river district. And he was a friend of my brother's. And um, he knew I was in, um, had gone to architecture school and um, wanted to introduce me to downtown Rockford. So almost immediately, I joined River District. I became, um, I joined the preservation committee, or maybe I created it. <laughs> or <laughs> Probably maybe they, created it. No, I don't know. Well, it, there, was, there were several of, of us, and I became chair of the preservation committee. And then soon after that, then president of River District, uh, Larry Morrissey, um, had me be the... Um, Secretary of the board. So I was on the board of trustees for the River District when I was like 21. And yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And um, I had, uh, I was working at Bradley and Bradley Architects. And um, a couple years later, uh, I think I had gotten a pay cut. And that happened frequently as an architect. And I started taking um, on a job as a waitress, and I decided I wanted to work at the most expensive restaurant in town, which was Bacchus. Okay. That's logical, right? Right. Um, or bang for your buck. So um, I started working at Bacchus and just got really involved in the downtown scene. So I've always been really involved in the downtown scene and, and been a member of several different uh, nonprofit organizations and have always worked downtown. Now, how does that go into skateboarding? So I, <laughs> I met my husband um, uh, at Bacchus, well, when it became Brio, because he was friends with Paul Slutton, and um, he has always been a skateboarder. He's also a teacher. And um, about the time our youngest was born, seven years ago, um, the local independent skateboard shop closed. The station closed. And people started looking to my husband um, Eric and they're like, when are you going to open a skate shop? And he's like, I'm a teacher. I'm not going to open a skate shop. What are you talking about? Kept going on, you know, every couple of years. And I was getting a little frustrated because we had hit the recession, pay cut, mm, yeah, you know, and I was working on really exciting projects. So you were still an architect? I was, I, yeah, I was still oh, an architect. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, anybody involved in building was jobs were just wiped out. Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. So, but we were lucky enough. Um, I was working at Savage or Gelhausen after Bradley and Bradley. And um, so we worked on um, several of the projects at Rock Valley College. So the um, Physical Education Center, the um, Jacobs Center for Science and Math. Uh, the last one that we did was CL1. 
um, lots and lots that we were the campus architect and uh, did Swedish American Regional Cancer Center, converted um, Eagle Foods into the Ware Center on North Main Street. So I was working on some really, really cool projects. And I, I had a passion for um, the environment. So I was a lead accredited professional, which is leadership in energy efficient design, environmental and energy efficient design. And um, I helped, you know, steer the projects and was project manager and so forth. So anyways, I was I was excited as an architect, but I kept getting pay cuts. So mm-hmm. I was getting frustrated. And so finally, I started saying to Eric, you know, I was like, well, why don't we do this? You know, I know you have a full time job, but I'll go to halftime because I had done that a couple of times before when when we had our two boys and um, I'll do all the yucky stuff like the legal stuff and paying the bills and you can do the super cool things because you actually know skateboarding and um, and interact with the uh, the sellers and the sales reps and you he's you know a total skateboard nerd and in the best possible way. And he knows what's going on. He has a pulse on the community and, you know, maybe we could make this work. And he said, no. And so (laughs) (laughs) that, you know, several years, um, I'd bring it up every once in a while. And then one day, um, I guess it was, must've been 2015. We went to the ethnic heritage festival in Midtown and Midtown was starting to wake up and people were milling about and he turns to me and he says, maybe it is time. And I was like, okay. So um, October, I got a business license and November, I found a spot and uh, January, uh, we started to move in and March, we opened. And in that time, Eric was able to secure product and um, contact uh, the companies, the sale, the skateboard companies to have products. So by like December, our kids' playroom was full of skateboards and shoes <laughs> and all kinds of stuff. Um, and yeah, we were ready to go. And wow. because I, I think because Eric is a natural leader and because he's a natural mentor, the, the skateboarders flock to him. And um, they see him as a resource. And they see him as a guy who has his stuff together. I hmm. assume that we can't swear on this. Um, you can. <laughs> have I had, have I swear? Oh, yeah. Okay. Why well, I'll censor okay, anyway. myself this time. You, All right. you can swear. It's okay. Okay. Um, so, he, you know, he's, uh, he's got a full-time job. He's married. He's got kids. He still skateboards. Then he's, you know, and then he has other hobbies. So now he started taekwondo. Um, and he's pursuing a black belt. So he's been doing that for the last couple of years. And there's always time, you know, he, he's been a vegan. We're back to being vegetarians. There's always time to, to do stuff. So You, you lost your vegan power, so. Who, me? I yeah. was never a vegan. Oh, I, I can't say, do that. That's in that one movie. That's in Scott Pilgrim vs. Oh, the World. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I forgot that part. <laughs> I should watch that <laughs> look again. At YouTube, yeah, really yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was... Uh, and then... I so I cut back to part time. I went to half time and I let my bosses know. I told them, I think four months in advance. Hey, and I walked in one day, it was December of 20, uh, let's see, 2016, 2015. And I said, I'm going to go to half time and uh, we're going to open up a skateboard shop in March. And then I walked out. <laughs> and I don't think they thought I was serious. And, uh, you know, we made it work for a while. And um, 
I worked half time and basically pretty much only managed one project um, because I was only working half days. So so that I could focus on working on the shop in the mm-hmm. afternoon and actually have some sanity as well. Um, so, But what was funny is that in that vacuum that was created by not working 40 hours a week at as an architect, um, I started saying yes to more community projects. So then right. I ended up on like six boards and I was, you know, president of one of them and I was vice president of another and I was, <laughs> yeah. And, um, you just couldn't say no. You just had to do this. Well, and I, I just had this drive in me because I always, you know, I always want to, my goal in life is to make my community, um, better than how I found it. My hmm. goal in life is to raise our children, to be a respectful young man, and to make a difference in this world. You know, to do good. Like that whole motto of doing good is pervasive. And whether it is helping a kid find a job, you, you know, using me as a reference in the skate shop, asking him how his day's going, you know, um, how's that job search going? How's this job going? Did you, are you sticking with this? Did you raise your grades from last semester? You know, as I'm putting a skateboard together, we're starting to chat or, or getting to know their names. And I'm really trying to, I'm off on a tangent again. Um, I'm really trying to help bring people together. So when I finally discovered out that I was sick, with cancer um it was not a convenient time we probably should have jumped in and and like introduced that but maybe we should go ahead okay well yeah so hey guess what i i am battling cancer at the moment which was when when so you opened this i opened the skate shop we opened the skate shop in um march of 2016 so then by um january of 2017 I was already planning the Women's March with my friends. <laughs> of course. Of course. We did that in eight days. Um, and um, uh, with Kate Worth and another friend who doesn't want credit, sure. so I won't say her name, but she's phenomenal. Um, and I found a lump, and it was hard, and it was painful. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, well, they're not supposed to be painful, so it's probably not cancer. And just kind of pushed it off, and I had actually got um was taking on all these roles as a community whatever community service and my husband turns to me and he's like you need to slow down like you're tired all the time Mm -hmm. maybe because i had cancer and um you need to start saying no to these people because they're really taking advantage of all your free time yeah and uh you know you're you're not focused you're doing uh jeremiah development work while you're at the shop and you're doing um you know like architecture work while you're at the shop and like you can't really you're doing in your free time you're doing stuff for wash U, which is where i went to, to college you you just need to chill and you need to start quitting things mm-hmm. so um i did start to bow out of a couple of things and i uh, went to go and see my doctor um in june my primary doctor and i said to her Okay, so I'm pretty sure I have a lump, but can we please just classify this as a right. um, uh, checkup, a regular checkup? Because I was afraid of insurance. Mm. I had no idea like what this was going to cost or anything, which is really laughable right now as far as how much I've been costing <laughs> um, insurance at this point. Um, 
And uh, because I had gone in the year before because I had found a lump or something that was weird and it just turned out to be cysts. And this is very common for women that um, they have cysts. Sometimes they're painful, but they're generally speaking, they're benign. And so I had already had a mammogram the year before and I didn't want to unnecessarily have another mammogram and an ultrasound because that's fifteen, sixteen hundred dollars and I don't know if I can afford that right now, et cetera, et cetera. So she had me go in to get an ultrasound anyways. And I remember talking to my mother on the phone, going for a walk and and talking to her about it. Should I do it? Should I not? And she's like, you know what, if you're worried about the money, I'll help you with it. We'll figure it out. Like just go. And, you know, sure enough it was. And like in the back of my mind, I always kind of figured it might happen because um, as we were talking before we started, I loved my hair. And I knew one day <laughs> I loved my hair and I knew one day I'd lose it. You know, and I knew it would be something dramatic and I I should also back up a little bit also and say that one of my best friends from college is also battling cancer and she went about it a totally different way Um, I'm very I try to be as open as possible about it in the hopes that it will help somebody again do good Mm -hmm. so um, and I want to be a source uh, for because no, nobody's treatment is the same. Nobody goes through it the same. Perceptions are always different and so forth. But um, I want to at least be somebody that will sit and listen to you and hold your hand and say, well, this was my experience. It's not that bad, et cetera, et cetera. And um, my friend uh, from college, she developed cancer um, in so three years ago in 2015 um, as she was nursing her young child and immediately was stage four. And um, her husband was estranged and um, I was distraught because I felt like she had no support system. Right. And I remember begging her to come move with me and I, and I had actually, you know, was always trying to figure out a way to be there with her, be there for her, et cetera, et cetera. And um, so that's one of the reasons why I had initially gone in for that mammogram because I'm like, well, it can happen. Mm-hmm. It can happen to younger people, you know? Like, I, I shouldn't wait. Um, but we've, we've had a couple falling outs because she is not as open as I am mm-hmm. and she's not as open to humor as I am. And right. um, so at this point, we're not speaking. Oh, no. Which is kind of sad. Yeah, but, that is sad. Yeah. But she's... <sighs> The other, the other side of that is that all these people that I was giving all my free time to and all of my, uh, uh, I don't know, free energy to, they all, I, I feel like at this point, I've created a legion, you know, a huge army of supporters. Mm-hmm. So I feel like if I did need help from anybody, I could ask and I could find it. Mm-hmm. And um, indeed, I have asked and I have been able to find that. So all of that good energy and all that goodness that I put out in the world has come back to me. Um, and that's a really beautiful and wonderful thing. I'm very, very lucky in that way. You know, not only that I have a wonderful family unit, but that I have an extended downtown family unit. And then, you know, even the Boylan group uh, uh, raised money for me to to help pay for a cleaning service. And then... Um, 
my church, you know, has been very helpful as well. And, um, yeah. So I, like I said, I knew I was going <laughs> off on a tangent, but so all the goodness has come back to you, and, yes. and then like you, you, you talked about your hair, and you, yes, your hair's hair. coming back too. My hair's coming back now. I'm so excited. <laughs> it's been, um, yes, it's been three months. How how were you able to keep the business on the rails? Because again, your husband's a teacher. I didn't. It wasn't. It was never on the rails. Meaning, you know, moving forward. Moving forward. Okay. Yeah, that's what I meant. Um, okay. He's so he's trying to use a skateboard. Are you using a skateboard metaphor on the rails? It, you know, a skateboard maybe. rails. I'll, I'll go with. I that. don't know. That's fine. That was that's what you're shooting for. Sorry, I missed Alex it. Alex isn't a skateboard. Sorry, I missed it. I don't think he's doing. Uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> now my cousin was a nationally ranked skateboarder. Was he? Years years What's years his ago. name? Um, Stephen Harnish. He went out to California okay. for oh, about Steve? ten years. Okay. Okay. You don't know. I feel like I know the name Harnish. I don't know. Um, So, all right. When the skateboarding community knew immediately. Yeah. um, I made a big announcement. Uh, We did it through Instagram, Facebook, Ground Floor Skateboards, Facebook. Mm -hmm. Just made a big announcement. This is what's happening. This is what we're dealing with. And a couple of the skateboarders rallied around us as well. So, um, before my first chemo, um, we had uh, celebrated um, this big skateboarding feat called King of the Road, where um, the skateboarders all filmed themselves uh, because, you know, it didn't happen unless you filmed it, right? So they filmed themselves completing tricks or challenges. And um, as they complete tricks and challenges, then they get points. And what we do, um, Ground Floor Skateboards, Eric contacts a whole bunch of different skate companies, and then they flow us product to Mm. give us prizes to these kids. So we had a huge party, huge celebration, and um, my chemo was time like the the Monday after this was happening. So we were trying to be quiet about it. Um, So we had a big party at our house, and the next day on a Sunday morning, we went into um, Lucette Salon, and my friend Kate Orth shaved my hair, and then she had her friend Allie shave her hair. And so my husband Eric and our son Sam and John, they shaved their hair. And then a couple skateboarders, Tom Ping, Kyle Manzanares, Zach Walker, and Matt Polissi, they all shaved their hair too. So there was already a camaraderie and there was already a support network mm-hmm. in the skateboarders and they all kind of rallied around me anyways. And um, so how did I keep working through it? I just saved my energy for it. So, you know, I would go in for chemo on a Monday um, or a Tuesday and um, then it would take a couple of days to hit me. Um, it's like you, you end up hitting like a brick wall. And I think that you, I just was able to power through until Sunday afternoon or Sunday after I went to church. And then I would just kind of be laid out on the couch for a couple of days Hmm. and just kind of mellow out. So I would allow myself time to rest and I would schedule that in, um, while, so that I could still work. And I mean, skateboarding is owning a skate shop is not a heavy intensive thing all the time. It's not like kids are coming in constantly, you know, every minute and I have to grip mm, 20 skateboards a day or something like that. I mean, if I'm selling 20 skateboards a day, that's amazing. Um, <laughs> and that's great, but that wasn't happening. So there was a lot of downtime where I could just sit and chill and hang out on the couch and, um, 
uh, bring our dog, you know, and, and hang out with them. And um, Eric and I would split the time anyway. So I would work. We're, we're open Wednesdays through Sundays. So I would work on Wednesdays from 2 to 8. And then Thursday from like 2 to 5-ish, 2 to 4. And then Friday, 2 to 4. Saturday, 12 to 3 or 4. And that was about it. And I could do the rest of the stuff remotely. Like I could do QuickBooks or accounting or pay bills or whatever it might be um, from home or from my couch or or from where, wherever. So there was space there. Like there was program space for me to rest. And then there was still time for me to work. And I think because... I did have that time to actually do something, then that really motivated me to get through it, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, and it was funny too because I would end up doing sometimes um, architecture work or uh, making phone calls or catching up on calls while I was getting filled with poison. (laughs) 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 Getting chemotherapy. Um, Because it... It's hard for me to to just chill. You know, I'd say from like 6 in the morning until the kids go to bed or take their showers at 7.30, it's go, go, go. And then after that point, I'm done. So you're saying that the things that you filled your life with, your activity, and you're kind of a naturally type A person. We talked about this, right? And so you're, you're, and, and you don't, and you're, you don't put yourself on six different boards and, you know, lead many of them unless you are a type A person. True. Uh, so because you can thrive in that level of activity, it was the activity maybe that kept you moving forward. You're looking forward constantly so. into that new thing. I think so. You know, and it, and it was, you know, the support of, of my husband and the support of my mother-in-law checking on me every day. You know, we would, um, now we go for walks every day at 1245. Uh, she lives down the street. Uh, we walk the dogs together. And if I couldn't make it sometimes because I was just too tired yeah. or I was in therapy, then she would go by herself. Um, for a very long time through therapy, um, I would still work out. You know, I'd still go to yoga or um, a place called Titan and Tone uh, two or three times a week because being active and and um, drinking lots of water and getting sunshine like I think all of that really helped to manage my side effects hmm. to really manage because I'm not I, I feel I felt like if I curl up in a ball and I just you know watch Netflix all day then I'm not improving in any right. way shape or form I'm just going to good. No, I'm not doing good. That's right. There you go. And it's almost like an atrophy too. Yeah. So, um, for the past eight weeks, I had surgery, um, eight weeks ago, I had a double mastectomy, um, and I haven't been able to work out. And so it's kind of killing me. (laughs) Yes. Um, but I slowly was able to start going to occupational therapy and I just went to the doctor today and they cleared me so I can finally, yes, I can finally start going back to to working out a little bit more and you know actually carrying things because I had a lifting restriction um because I have to relearn how to use my arms um my pectoral muscles and all that stuff and yeah so every it's it's a very long journey and it feels like 
the end date keeps getting pushed farther and farther and farther back. But, you know, I keep winning. I keep winning each battle. Mm-hmm. And I have to just keep thinking about it that way, uh, breaking it down into smaller terms. I don't know what's going to happen when everything's done, but um, well, one we'll of my see. questions would be: Has your attitude towards your time changed, or yes. do you, or do you think when this is all over, I'm just going to go back to serving on six boards? And, no, no, no. Well, I, I okay. So I think that I've become more in tune with my body. And I've become more respectful of my body in terms of listening to when I need rest. Rest when you need rest, you know, and exercise when you need exercise, move when you need to move, um, and allow for some free time. Because I would say yes to everything because I really did want to be everywhere and do everything and, and bring the kids to cultural experiences and do all kinds of neat things. But now it's always maybe. <laughs> Um, I haven't quite hit no yet. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't know exactly what's going to happen in the future, but I, I do know that there will be more maybes and less yeses because I need to check back and see where the balances are. Is underground skateboards a hobby business, or is this something like ten years from now? Ground floor skateboards. I'm sorry, ground floor skateboards. My mistake. Which happens to me, a kind of underground. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Actually, it is. It does. It's the ground floor of the original State Street, isn't it? Yeah, I yeah. They they raised yeah they raised State Street like long long time ago. Well, so the name came before we found the space. Right. I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah. No, but the reason being is because we wanted to be the place that you can come to to start. That makes and I sense. wanted to, you know, in, in, my, in my grand vision, I was like, okay, well, I also want it to be like some kind of a, maybe not like an official nonprofit, but some kind of a safe space mm-hmm. for people to come and get a job reference and, you know, learn soft skills and be able to grow as, you know, honorable young human beings <laughs> Because a lot of the times we keep coming across kids that have parents that aren't really necessarily taking care of them. Yeah. You know, and so I I want it I, I think that starting with the ground floor we can kind of bridge out that way. So is it a hobby business or is it a business that'll stay on for ten years? I hope Or it, grow. I mean, are we gonna see two or three of these or, or is I, it's not gonna be a franchise business. No. Okay. No. If it grows, it'll grow into more of um, maybe distribution or maybe it would be um, actually hiring employees because Eric, it's just <laughs> Eric and I working there. Um, or maybe it would just, maybe it would grow into some kind of a partnership. Yeah. Well, which is, which is fine because some people are just, they like a certain size business. My mother had a stained glass store. Okay. And, and she had her in a, and at home for years. And then she finally moved to North 2nd Street in Loves Park. And she did that for three years. And then it got really busy. And she didn't, it wasn't fun anymore because yeah. she was going to have to hire employees. Yeah. She was yeah. going to have to get much yeah. more organized. She was yeah. going to have to stop going to Ho Chunk. And uh. she put it up for sale, you know, <laughs> because it, you know, it got beyond what she wanted it to be. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Because Eric and I, we really like that personal flavor. So. Mm-hmm. Well, and it sounds like your goal. I mean, the the uh, the the 
desirous to sell skateboards. You like you like the whole skateboarding thing, but the thing that I'm hearing is you're the that thread that you have is that you just want to do good in the community, almost like a mentoring mm-hmm. for. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm the skate mom. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, you're kind of yeah. the mentor. You're Like you say, I want to create a safe space. You're building your own community to, as you talked about at the beginning, you know, like to make your community better. You leave your community better than you found it. Right. But you're doing this through skateboarding. Yeah. Yeah, which is crazy. Because I was not that cool in high school. I, I didn't, I barely, <laughs> I barely knew any skateboarders, you know? And it, right. it's, it's so crazy too, because the pit was like right down the street from me and I didn't know <laughs> right. anything about it, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, you weren't kind of the skateboarding type. No, I was not. I was not. You, you had, go well, ahead. I was. I was. I was a total nerd. Yeah. Have you, you actually were. learned how to skateboard? <laughs> That's okay, though. I'm a nerd. I love Have it. Have I learned how to skateboard? Yeah. Uh, yes, badly. I, okay. I skateboard just as just as well as I golf, which is not well. So. <laughs> But that's okay. At least nobody's keeping score. No, no, no. But, you know, I can grip a board really well. All right. So what types of things do you do practically then at Ground Floor Skateboards to create this community and uh, offer these men, uh, offer offer kids or I youth think it's mentoring? Just, it's just talking to them. So, okay. you know, kids will come in and um, just remembering their name. I always try to remember their name mm-hmm. and maybe what it was that they bought before and... Um, I can kind of keep track of what it is that they like and what they don't like. And, hey, maybe you want to try this instead. Or, you know, what are you riding right now? Or what size wheels do you like? And so forth. And so that I'll start talking about that, talking about the skateboarding. And then it goes into, you know, are, so where are you working these days? Or are you new to Rockford? Or, you know, maybe they know this person or that person or the other thing. And it just evolves into an organic conversation about where they're at in their life. Because you're taking a special interest in them yes. as an individual, which yes. if you're t- if you're comparing that against maybe their lives where the role models in their lives maybe can't or, or maybe are not unable due to whatever circumstances to take a special interest in them, you're offering them that yeah. special interest. Yeah. You're yeah. Calling them to be special. Yeah. So, I mean, sometimes some skateboarders will come and just give me a hug. Yeah. You know, or, you know, some of them call me mom, <laughs> you know, or, or they'll come in for a drink of water, you know, and use our drinking fountain. In your experience. So, I mean, there's, there's these pivotal moments in, in our lives. I was listening to a Rob Bell podcast earlier today uh, about these pivotal moments in our lives that really reshape, they set us on a new trajectory and that's usually through suffering. Yeah. Right. So these, these, these kids, uh, I'm going off on a limb there, these kids who are seeing you as skate mom. Okay. Now you're at this point of suffering yeah. and you're, they see you dealing with these challenges yeah. in your life. How do you see them responding to, to your suffering? I, I, I think they try and hide it until okay. they see that I'm well, you All know, right. and then I can see a sparkle in their eye, you know, like, how are you? Yeah. And I, and, and how are things going? Or, you know, um, Sometimes they'll tell me, "Oh, this shouldn't have happened to you," or "You're you're too good of a person," and I'm like, "No, no, you can't think about it that way. I'm strong, and we can handle this, and it's going to be fine." And um, I, I I hope it inspires them. Um, I I hope that I hope that they feel like there is somebody that cares about them, mm-hmm. and um, I do think they value me. Um, I know they value Eric, um, and yeah, I, I, I don't know. 
What was the question again? Well, I, was, <laughs> I was thinking about how people view, because uh, from the outside in, looking on suffering, people, yeah. everybody takes on a sort of a different style to dealing with other people's suffering, right? Yeah, Like you say, prayers. some people kind of ignore it. Thoughts some people are like, hey, don't talk about it. Yeah. You know, no one will know. <laughs> you know, yeah. she's got no hair. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Some cool punk style she's rocking, right? Right? Yeah. And then some people try to make light of things mm-hmm. as though, oh, we should joke our way out of this and never deal with the retreats. I mean, there's, it it's shitty, right? Yeah, you, you didn't yeah. want to swear before, but it's no, shitty. Yeah, and and nothing changes that, right? Right, right. But then you've got these these bright spots that people can work through, which is the reality that you do have this community that loves mm-hmm, you, mm-hmm, the community mm-hmm. that was there for you will be there for you, and you're then also in that community being there for others, right? Even as you have your own unique suffering, we're all suffering in some way, but you've got your own unique suffering at yes, that moment yes. that is so visible to to everyone. I'm. I'm just. I'm, I was curious. You know what? How do the youth respond to that? What do you? Because you're offering them mentoring. You're yeah, offering I'm not, them. I'm a, not sure. A relationship. I think that I'm. I'm open and honest with them. Yeah. So if they ask me, "How are you?" You know, I'll say, "Today I'm in pain." Yeah. You know, this is what happened recently, or I feel better today than I did last week because this and that and the other thing happened. Um, That's a vulnerable place to be. I'm okay with being vulnerable. Have you always been okay with being vulnerable? Is that yes. you, that was ingrained in you from a I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Kid. I've I've always been maybe maybe too open, maybe too exuberant, maybe too yeah yeah. I've always been okay with yeah. That. And like you talk about your friend who's not yeah who kind of recoils from that and yeah. it's and and, and, and it, yeah it, it eats away at me. I mean, when yeah. I found out she had cancer. I would cry myself to sleep, and yeah. I gave myself a migraine, and I yeah. was devastated. Yeah, and I was trying, you know, I would send her messages, I would send her text messages, I would send her cards, I would yeah. send her emails, and every once in a while she'd respond. And like she was, you know, you know, you have like people say you have that person. Like she was my person. Yeah. And then at one point she just said to me, "I can't be your person anymore." Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of our clients here is uh, Kevin Polky and Shatter Our Silence. Okay. Which I one of the things he, you know, talks about is a lot of people suffer in silence. Yeah. Until it gets so overwhelming they can't see a way out of it. And then, you know, and Shatter Silence is all about bringing And then uh, do they just kind of crumble? Or well, it's crumble? it's it's an it's a group battle um trying to Stop Raise the, the awareness of teen depression and suicide. Oh, yeah, a, th- a topic that nobody wants to talk about, right? Yeah. I mean, there's Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and yeah, there's yeah, you know yeah. all these other awareness months. There's not there's not the you know teens are killing themselves in larger numbers every year month, mm-hmm. largely because there's silence around it. Nobody has learned how to talk about depression and and suicide like as because especially if they don't want to talk right because you it. understand like we're talking about breast cancer here, but we yeah. all kind of know it's not contagious, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if we talk about depression. Then we think, oh my gosh, I might, I might catch your depression if we really? talk about depression. Yeah, absolutely. Or, or if we talk about suicide, then what we might be causing others to do is, uh, you know, somehow United, idealize that, yeah. oh my gosh, that is a way out, right? And, and so it, we just kind of squelch it mm-hmm. instead of saying, no, this is a form, this is a, su- it's a form of suffering. There's real depression. There's real right. suicide, and, and, and it's and dark. This is the social media era yeah. where everybody tries to, or lots of people try to present a better self. Yes, out there, and I'm right? glad you brought that up. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, um, because I've really, I really struggle with trying to tell my story without eliciting pity. 
and thoughts right. and prayers yeah. and stuff. Yeah, right. I, I want to tell, I want to tell you what's going on <laughs> because many people are asking, yeah. or they're asking my husband or my dad or my father-in-law or my, you know, yeah. my sister and whatnot. Like, you can ask me. It's okay. I'll talk about it. <laughs> right. Um, but I don't want to idealize it or or make it fuzzy. And on Facebook, of course, everything is glossy and gorgeous. And yeah, it it's it's difficult to see the grittiness. Because you no, know, you know, you go to Facebook as a diversion. So why do you want to see something that's painful? Yeah, that's interesting. You're this what you're talking about that nobody wants to. You you don't want to elicit pity. You you want to be truthful about your experience. You want to be vulnerable with your feelings, but you don't want people to go, "Oh my gosh, I am so sorry." Yeah, yeah. This is terrible what you're going through. And it is. I mean, everybody has those feelings towards one another, especially those who love you. Uh, but you you want to where do, where would you rather them place their uh, their emotions or instead of going down the pitying you route? Where would you rather them place that self care? Self care. Okay, yes. talk to me about that. Yeah, yeah. So listening to your body, respecting yourself, you know, eating nutritious foods, getting exercise, listening to symptoms. You know, whether or not what like the the lump that I ignored for five months. Yeah. Um, or um, a heart condition, or you know, quitting smoking, or getting off of Instagram if it if it makes you if if you have a, a body dysmorphic issue or something like that, or you know, doing something that honors and elevates and 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 really respects you as a person, just as you would want somebody to respect you or just as you respect i don't know your child or your favorite loved one you know do that for yourself wow well that's i mean wise words that could probably only be uh understood maybe through experience right you I probably think didn't so. you yeah. probably didn't have the, the no, same no, appreciation no. yeah for that. yeah i've not you know i've i have not always been the healthiest person yeah you know, I have not always been active. Um, I have not always uh, it had done self care. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I I realize the value in that because I really do. I honestly believe that that and you know the help of my husband and loved ones have really helped me throughout mm-hmm. this whole process. And you know, of course, I have the most amazing team of doctors that that yeah. I could ever dream of. Where are you in, in your treatments? You have one left or two? How's that? How's that going? Okay. Huh. okay. So where am I at in my treatment? Um, so I went through. I'm triple. I have triple negative breast cancer. So, I don't know what that means. That's good. Okay. So triple negative breast cancer is uh, about. 15 to 20% of breast cancers are triple negative, which means that it does not respond to an estrogen-based drug or a progesterone-based drug or a HER2-based drug because it doesn't care. Hmm. So basically over the course of I don't know how many years, doctors have developed targeted drug therapy to attack the cancer with chemo and, you know, an additional drug um, targeted, you know, towards it. But triple negative is estrogen negative, progesterone negative, and HER2 negative, and it doesn't care. So the only thing that you can give it is really strong chemo. Hmm. 
So um, I had um, 21 weeks of chemotherapy, oftentimes multiple chemos. I had six infusions of iron. Um, I had um, Nulasta and Neupogen shots, which would increase my white blood cell count so that um, it could elevate me to a level that I could receive another chemo because, you know, you keep getting knocked down and then you have to, your body has to build itself up again and then go for another treatment and so forth. So then once that was done, within a month, um, I had to have surgery because this tumor is, this type of cancer is super aggressive. Hmm. And uh, so four months after uh, treatment was over, I had a bilateral mastectomy and they tested my, uh, the tissues that they had removed from my body. So seven lymph nodes were negative um, for cancer. So one had been positive, but it turned negative with chemo Um, in my breast tissue the cancer did not die completely. So then that informed me for more treatment. So um, through this process right now, I have to be, I have um, in the past eight weeks, I've been healing from my um, mastectomy. I've been going through reconstruction, um, which basically is they insert whoopee cushions, if you will, they're expanders behind your pectoral muscles. And then they inflate them with saline weekly. Oh, wow. And they stretch your oh, pectoral muscles, which is why I had to have occupational therapy <laughs> so and relearn how to use everything. Wow. So then after this eight weeks is over, Monday I get to go and get mapped for radiation, and I'll have six weeks of daily radiation. Oh, my gosh. And then once that is done, then I'll have six more months of a different kind of chemo. Because if this cancer were to come back it will most likely be very aggressive mm-hmm. and will have metastasized and um, is very deadly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And all of this while building a community, <laughs> <laughs> right? Why not? Skate mom. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Wow. Well, we'll, we'll be uh, certainly praying for you and, and keeping you in mind. It's an awesome thing that you're doing. No one, I think, uh, who, who thinks of skateboards would think that uh, you're using ground floor skateboards to do good in your world uh, while you um, while you need good being done to you. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thanks, Alicia. It's it's been a long time since we've talked this long. Yes, yes, it has. Uh, <laughs> and it's been, it's been amazing. Uh, thanks for being on the What Works podcast. We how how can people get a hold of you at Ground Floor Skateboards? Okay, so. Um, uh, you can contact us through Facebook or Instagram, real easy, Ground Floor Skateboards. Um, our website is groundfloorskateboards.com. Our phone number is 815-979-9265. We're at 333 East State Street, right next to Capri. Um, and we're open Wednesdays through Sundays um, in the afternoon. Uh, we're open 2 to 8 on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, so that kids stay in school. And we're open 12 to 8 on Saturday and 12 to 5 on Sunday. Awesome. Thanks for being on the What Works Podcast. Thank you for inviting me.